Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I am extremely pleased to welcome back for what I believe is now the fourth time filmmaker David Weiner. David, how are you? Fourth time's the charm, right? Abs- this is the quadrilogy episode. This is it. This is it. And now, interestingly enough, yes, because we are now talking about a fourth project that you have uh, you have in the works. So just to, just to recap, uh, listeners who may not be familiar with the, the previous times you've been on the show, you are responsible. You are the director of uh, the In Search of Darkness series. Uh, mm-hmm. You were also the director of the recently released In Search of Tomorrow. I'm not going to do these films enough justice, so I'm going to I'm going to kick it over to you. Just kind of talk a little bit about what In Search of Darkness is, and of course, give a plug to In Search of Tomorrow. Sure. Well, these are long form documentaries uh, about genre film, and so In Search of Darkness, which came out in twenty sorry twenty nineteen, right? I have to think about that. We started in 2018. It came out in 2019, and um, it's about all about 80s horror. And so it's a it's a journey year by year through uh, 80s horror filmmaking, uh, 1980 to 1989, where each film, uh, sorry, each year we go through a number of films that came out during that decade, and then we also have interstitial chapters in between, uh, which is larger context stuff and what happened was in search of darkness part one was really the heavy hitters you know the halloweens the friday the 13th a lot of eclectic fair fair but really sort of dialing in on on the uh the practical effects of and the heroes and the villains and uh the creatures and the the music the stuff that we really love and why do we love this stuff and then all these movies have uh upwards of 50 or more uh talking heads from the era so legends and icons uh who were in front of the camera or behind the camera uh talking about these films everyone from john carpenter to heather langenkamp and robert england and barbara crampton um Stuart gordon just talking about how not only their own films but the films that they love from the era as well and um in search of darkness 2 we got into uh deeper darker territory more eclectic fare and a lot of more international titles and italian horror and so on and so forth uh and now we were up we are up to in search of darkness part three and so we could talk about what that means and what we're getting in but in between that between part two and part three i did in search of tomorrow and that's all about 80s sci-fi movies following the same structure and format with 70 interviews from people in front of behind the camera. And uh, so it's been quite the odyssey because all of these movies are uh, In Search of Darkness, part one and two were about four and a half hours each. Uh, in Search of Tomorrow was five hour film. And now In Search of Darkness 3 is the longest film we've done for that series. And that's a five hours and change. And this is all based on backer and, and horror community demand, saying, we love this format. We could watch these movies all day. We want more and more and more. And most importantly, what we wanted to do for the third and final installment of this 80s trilogy, we want to move into other decades uh, after this, is we wanted to survey and involve uh, everybody to decide what movies we're going to be covered in this film. You know, I, I look back at the first film and the second film and people would say, this is great. I love it. Too bad. You didn't do X, Y, or Z. Why didn't you do that? What a crime, you know, or wouldn't it be nice if you did this next? Uh, and I tried to get them in part two, but the thing is there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of films that came out uh, in that era. Many thanks to the, the video boom and just explosion of, of independent filmmakers and titles. Uh, so this time around, it was actually kind of easy for me because with write-in surveys uh, and and polls based on what people wanted, there are plenty of surprises. But uh, I now have 79 films that we cover in part three, not to mention all the chapters in between. Uh, and uh, a lot of the films that people have said ever since the beginning where they're like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do extra? You know, I tried to do an extra part two, but unfortunately we just couldn't do it. But then now in part three, we are doing extra. And I was able to get the director to sit down and talk with us. So all good things come to those who wait. So a couple things I would just like to, for the record, point out that I am so proud 
that the title of this show, the Daniel Buckler show is in the credits for in search of tomorrow. <laughs> I was, I, I remember why, well, I mean, I, I've seen it multiple times, but just going through the credits and there it just says the Dana Buckler show. So I just, I want everybody listening to know that it's uh it's a pretty awesome feeling when you watch an, you know, an incredible do- film, incredible documentary, and then all of a sudden your name pops up in the credits. So I'm just saying well, what that what that means for yeah. people who don't know is that uh, the way we do these films is they're all crowdfunded. And then by the time we come back to the final where the, fi- the final film is completed, but before we release it, what we do is we do a final push where everyone who purchases the film, we haven't done the credits yet. And we put everybody in the credits. And so if you if you started the crowdfunding or if you're finalizing the push over the line, everyone gets to be in the credits. And you can put your name, you can put your podcast, you can put your loved one, you can put your favorite pet. Um, and then what happens is, you know, we put it in the end credits and then everyone gets a digital copy and then they get their physical copy with all the cool stuff. And you go to 80s horrordoc.com for all the details. We could talk about that more in depth later. I do want to say one cool thing this time around. I really wanted to give back to the horror community and I really wanted to give back to our incredibly loyal and enthusiastic backers. This time around, because these end credits can be so long, uh, what's so, what, what's, what I want to do is I want to capture the heart and soul of, of everyone who loves this stuff. So I'm I'm asking and inviting you, Dana, and everyone who's listening to record a video testimonial, short and sweet, about why you love 80s horror, or why you love an 80s film or filmmaker, or even why the In Search of Darkness franchise has meant something to you in one way or another. And I, I can't promise every single one, but I'm going to do every one I can, as many as possible, lining those end credits with the entire community talking about why this is so important to all of us. Uh, and uh, who knows, maybe there won't be a dry eye in the house when it's all done. You never know. But anyone who wants to do that, all you have to do is, do is go to our socials, uh, 80s Horror Doc on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, there's a link tree link. You click on that link tree link and then you'll see, you know, how the, the, the thing to click to tell you exactly how you would go about submitting your video and what the rules are and so on and so forth. And uh, I just think that will be the ultimate gift back to everyone who has allowed us to do part two and especially part three, because we wouldn't be making part three if we didn't get such amazing fan response and appreciation and encouragement. I have to say, and this is not something that you and I discussed before we started this episode, but that's incredible. I ha- I did not realize that that was an option. And, and believe me when I tell you, speaking for myself, and I'm sure a lot of the <laughs> listeners, you can count on me recording a video. I've got I've got lots to say. Sure, you, the, the part that made me go, oh, is when you said short and sweet. I'm like, but I've got so much I to know, say. <laughs> I know, right? But then if everyone's going you know, a minute, two minutes, three minutes, yeah. which I know everybody can, then that means less videos. Absolutely. So there, now, there's a mathematical logic to keeping it short and sweet. I, oh, I, I completely understand. Now, now, Dave, I'm going to ask a question that I, I believe I asked the first time I had you on the show, but I just want to kind of kind of refresh for, uh, for people who might be new to uh, the In Search of Darkness series. Why the 1980s why you said you want to look at other decades beyond Mm -hmm. the 1980s but when it when it comes down to it with the first in search of darkness and the subsequent follow-up films why the decision to start in the 1980s what is it about 1980s horror movies that that sort of set the standard well fundamentally it starts with robin block the ceo of creator vc we're a small company we make these films ourselves again crowdfunded by fans for fans He's the guy who came up with the brilliant idea that how cool would it be if we went through the 1980s and go through movie by movie and and really get a bunch of people who were there and discuss it and celebrate it. Uh, And I always thought that was a great idea. I'm on board. Where do I where do I begin? Uh, That being said, there's a reason that this decade is so important Uh, because so many I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of all the decades leading up to the 80s for all different reasons. Because uh, we stand on on the the very broad shoulders uh, as a foundation of these films that came before the '80s, which is why the '80s were so great. But it, there's a convergence of the the technology of the practical effects 
and the technology of the VHS boom, where it, it, it must be stated, and it's very obvious, but it, I think it, when you point it out, it, it makes sense. People could not have instant gratification when they wanted to watch entertainment uh, in terms of choosing the title themselves. Sure, they could turn on the television if they caught one of their favorite horror movies, they were in luck. Or they could even plan it in advance using the TV guide, right? <laughs> a, a week in advance going through the TV guide and marking all the things that you want to see. But you couldn't record them and watch them when you wanted. It, it was appointment television. You had to be there. You know, if you saw a movie playing in the theater and it wasn't in a theater near you, you know, remember, it was always playing at a theater near you. They didn't have to say near you, but they want to make sure that you know that you don't have to go that far to seek out the, the film that they want you to see. You know, these are important little details in, in the selling and the marketing of films, right? So all of a sudden, there's a technology where all you need to get is a, a, a box and put it next to your television and a tape and pop it in and you can watch it whenever you want. And on top of this, you have cable television where all of a sudden there's all these movies, but it's not like a one and done. They're constantly on rotation. So if you miss the Phantasm the first time around, they're going to play Phantasm 50 times that month and you'll be able to catch it. So there was something about the 80s where the filmmaking was spectacular. There was some resonance because people could see more films more often on repetition. Oh, I loved Evil Dead. I'm going to see that again and again and again. I'm going to wear out the tape or I'm going to rent it again next week to show my friends. Um, there's a whole dynamic there where you could share movies with the people that you love. Uh, and, and you didn't have that in the same way before. Um, and and there was an explosion of films uh, by indie filmmakers because the studios, as gatekeepers, still didn't do a lot of that stuff. Uh, and so producers like Roger Corman, Charlie Band, you know Lloyd Kaufman would step into this 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 vacuum and say, "Well, I'm going to make super low budget, fun, ridiculous exploitation films and get them to mom and pop video stores so everyone could watch and make a mint overnight," which they did. So it's kind of a complicated answer because there's lots of working parts. But I think when people look back at this, this is a very different decade than there ever was before when it came to consumption of entertainment. Uh, and I would argue that although horror has always been kind of in, in B-movie status, there was something happening where you got more B-movies, which is something we're really capitalizing on in, in Search of Darkness Part 3. But at the same time, you have filmmakers like Stanley Kubrick you know, saying, I'm going to take a Stephen King novel and I'm going to do what I do. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use the word that people hate and I hate it too, but I'm going to elevate this genre. And why that's important is that you're elevating it for a whole other faction of moviegoers who normally would steer clear of horror, but they're like, well, I want to see this, this haunted house movie starring Jack Nicholson because he's great. You know, the next thing you know, you have John Landis who, who made a mint on Animal House making a, a different kind of animal and he's doing American werewolf. So what producers are looking at, and I'm looking, I'm talking now more about the business side of all this stuff is producers are seeing dollar signs when a movie like Halloween 1978 for a very low budget makes millions. Then Friday the 13th says, well, we'll do the same thing. We'll call it a holiday thing and we'll just have a killer kill random kids at, you know, at a summer camp. That makes millions of dollars on a really low budget. Now, all of a sudden, everyone is standing at attention saying there's something here and it's money and I can capitalize on that. And I see the formula that works, you know, while at the same time, Hollywood is starting to pay more attention because they're seeing that this is a genre that's really taking off. And how can we get be part of the game? That's incredible. Now, and, and you're right. You're right. That that whole thing. The way you explain that is 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 so spot on, and, and it's something that's still done to this day. I mean, when you look at something like Blumhouse, their their model. I mean, they it's it's an interesting interesting world we live the, in. The franchises, the reboots, you know, getting new Halloweens, getting seventy Annabelle films. Uh, there's a reason for all this stuff, and that's it's a sure bet. Yeah, because you can you could still make these films. You can make them slicker now, but you could still make them for a much lower budget. Uh, with where the the star is a doll versus an actual star, uh, so you can keep your budget low. You know, uh, I mean, it costs a lot. It costs more to market these films than it does to make them these days. 
so studios, which are a business, you know, that, that have, have uh, obligations to their, their stockholders, you know, and their board of directors, they need to be able to guarantee return on their investment and, and massive profits. So everyone is happy. So horror is really selling really well to this day. I mean, everyone's talking about this year as a horror renaissance, whether they were on uh, streaming channels or in the theater. Uh, and they're right. And so we're always going to be get the, the reboots, the requels, the reimaginings, the sequels. Uh, and, you know, I think it's great that we get a hell, you know, for every Hellraiser, you also get a prey, you know, and, and you get some some creative ideas to reinvigorate a franchise that you either love or hate. But either way, it does very well and it keeps things alive. And you can mer merch this thing to no end. And what this ultimately does is it creates space for brand new ideas and a movie like smile or a movie like barbarian which i haven't seen so don't spoil it um but these movies now have a, a place because you know uh x pearl you know um they have a place now because people are, are paying uh and lining up first weekend especially to to see these movies and we're getting plenty of brand new ideas uh, they might be derivative to a certain extent, but isn't every story? There's only what so seven stories that have to be repurposed. Yeah. The, and and you're absolutely right because you know for anyone that's listened to this show for any length of time, you know that I'm you know I the, the hill I choose to die on is is always give me something original, even if it's in a sequel. Take it in a in, in it, give me something original. Give me a, a an original idea. And you're right. If you look at theatrically released movies right now there's really no middle ground really there's there's the big tent poles and then there's the the modestly to low budget horror films that are that are coming out and those and and, and those are the movies that i mean listen i went to go i went and saw the halloween i've seen barbarian i'm 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 gonna see smile tomorrow i mean i'm excited about this here's the thing i've i'm, I'm oh, go ahead can i interrupt real quick yes. just interject yes. real quick and i apologize but you know i'm on the caffeine is now yes. doing the talking but, you know, with Halloween ends, you know, we don't even have to dive into it, but it's very polarized. There's lots of people yes. who are just saying, like Halloween Kills, I don't like this movie because it's not what I expected. But I believe whether it, it succeeds or fails on whatever your personal barometer is, uh, it has absolute merits for making an effort to do something different with the franchise. And I applaud that. And I think even within the confines of uh, a franchise and sequels, that needs to be applauded and recognized as original ideas, whether or not you think that they succeed or not. At least they swung for the fences on yeah. this one. And uh, let's see this. If you're listening to this episode, the day it comes out, uh, I, I believe you're going to be listening to the Halloween one a few hours later. So my, my review of, <laughs> of Halloween ends will be out the same day as this. And I agree with you and I agree with you. And, and, and you know, not to spoil my review of, of Halloween ends, but the fact of the matter is I agree that they should be applauded for, for trying something different. And that's all mm -hmm. I'm going to say right now. They tried something different. Uh, David, this is what I've come to learn over nine years of podcasting. And, and, and frankly, even before that is that the horror community, uh, you know, as a whole seems to be one of, I mean, I look at horror. I mean, I look at movie fandoms. Okay. I look at the, the, the fans of Star Wars, the fans mm -hmm. of Star Trek, you know, the Harry Potter fans. I mean, the Lord of the Ring fans, the horror community seems to be kind of upper echelon as far as the, the amount of people that are in that community. And uh, I can speak to here where I live. They have a new convention center that opened up and we had our first annual horror con here this year. And I mean, the heavy hitters were there. Uh, I randomly, uh, for those who don't know, I, my day job is I, 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 I help to manage a restaurant during the day and I randomly we were closed. It was a Friday night. We've been closed for an hour. One of my employees comes out and says, there's a guy up front. He wants to know if you'll open the kitchen back up. Uh, him and a couple friends. I walk out and it's Dave Sheridan, Felissa Rose, and Thaw Matthews just standing at the door. And 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 the irony of a that is gift at your doorstep. Yes. And I was just, I just walked up and I was just like, Well, holy shit. Hey guys, how are you? And and I mean, I immediately knew who they were right away. Mm -hmm. And uh and I point out that Felissa Rose was just the nicest person. I had never met them. And Thom is surprisingly taller than me, a lot taller than me. <laughs> um uh I, so I was able to take care of them and 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 but 
it was the first convention this town had, and it was packed with people um, of all well, ages. That, that speaks volumes, right? So I asked this question, and there's probably no way to truly define this answer. What is it about horror movies that that draws so many people? What is it about horror? I mean, In Search of Darkness, 1, 2, and 3, they're all about 80s horror, but what is it about horror movies themselves? Is it is it the fear? What is it that, that drives people, and, and what makes the community so, so strong? Horror, horror is full of subgenres horror is not a very simple thing it's not just slasher it's not just torture porn it's not just uh transylvania 65000 you know uh comedy you know beetlejuice and, yeah. and adam's family and, and you know uh hocus pocus um but they all have a a foot firmly in the genre and so uh, it's a, a genre that has a very wide appeal because there's all different facets that you can appreciate about the genre. Uh, I also uh, have come to really believe that you have to just be pre-wired to appreciate horror. Uh, there's there's the people who just do not understand it because they see the blood and the violence and the gore. Um, and then there are the people who either appreciate or tolerate the blood and violence and gore because of the story that it's telling. Um, there's a lot of creativity in the genre. Uh, some people love to be scared. Some people love to just escape in it. Some people love to dissect the film for the work that went into creating and crafting a good scare and a good monster. You know, there's all sorts of ways to look at it. And I think it's just really, it's got the coolest merch. Everyone gets to wear black. I went to Monster Palooza this past weekend. Uh, and I went with my son, who's young, and uh, he's he's really getting into it now. And uh, I made a joke as we were walking, because we you know parked very far away, because it's very popular, so it's hard to get parking. And I saw all these you know couples either in costume or individuals wearing black. And I said, see, if you don't even know how to get to the convention center, follow the person wearing black, because <laughs> that's the uniform. Um, that's really my answer, essentially, is I, I, I think it's a very popular thing. You don't see romantic comedy uh, uh, conventions, you know, you don't even see comedy conventions. No. You, you know, people go see comedy all the time and comedy clubs. I mean, that's a big, it's an industry. Don't get me wrong, but there's something about a convention where it's a different dynamic and yeah. people love to co commiserate with like-minded people who appreciate the same thing. And you can celebrate that kind of stuff without ridicule. Uh, you could wear your horror shirt of someone being eviscerated and people will say cool shirt rather than flee in terror. Yeah. Absolutely. So going circling back to In Search of Darkness, part three. And by the way, Felissa Rose is in In Search of Darkness, part three. We finally have her sitting down with us. Outstanding. She's super fun. Oh, I, I yes, I, I was I, I, I can say this is this is somebody that uh, that I had got an opportunity to spend about an hour with um, and uh, sleepaway camp and all the other fun stuff she's done. Victor Crowley. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and, and I'll tell you that I think uh, when I saw her, I said, you're Felissa Rose. And she's like, you know who I am? I said, absolutely. And we're not at a horror convention. All right. We're not a restaurant. So, so it's got to feel good to her. It's just, just know that people, wherever she goes, people are going to recognize her. You guys are everywhere. It's the horror underground. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the thing is I'm sure she walked in the restaurant saying no one's going to know who I am. They probably won't open up the kitchen for us because they won't know or care who we are. And you're like, sleepaway camp. Sleepaway camp. Absolutely. And with Thom, it was like Tommy Jarvis. <laughs> I mean, like, I, mean <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. And, and, and of course. Tom Matthews in, in Search of Darkness Part 3. Oh, you see? See, this is so exciting. Now, let, let, okay, so let's talk about it. Who was the third one that you said? Uh, was so he was Dave Sheridan, and he, uh, he's he been in a couple of Rob Zombie films, but he's probably most well-known for playing Officer Doofy in the Wayne's Brothers scary movie. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I knew who he was. I forgot it was Doofy and not Dewey. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and there's, I won't spoil the end of scary movie. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, this came out 22 years ago, but yeah, uh, yeah, he yeah. is involved in sort of a twist ending of that, if you'll say, sort of a usual suspects twist ending. So, okay, so I've got a, a few questions I want to ask about In Search of Darkness Part 3. Sure. I guess since you've already mentioned a couple names, uh, I'll start with, are there some new faces that we can expect to see in Part 3 that have not been in the first two films? 
In Search of Darkness Part 3 has 70 interviews. And out of the 70 interviews, there are 39 new faces, 50 new interviews total, wow. brand new. And 20 interviews are, as we all, as those who know uh, and have heard me talk about this, every time uh, we sit and talk to our talent, we talk to them for anywhere between one hour to two hours, sometimes three hours. And so there's a wealth of material that doesn't make it to the final cut where there's plenty of anecdotes and stories and conversations and opinions that uh, are perfectly applied to part three now, now that we're talking about a bunch of new topics and even a bunch of films that we haven't been able to get to yet. So yeah, 39 brand new faces uh, uh, to, to this uh to the series. So there's lots of fresh faces and discussion. And it was very important to do that because since we're really going to a lot of the shot on video, straight to video titles, still lots of theatrical titles that we just haven't covered yet. You'd be surprised, but we still haven't done Serpent in the Rainbow. We still haven't done um, Prom Night. We still haven't done Jaws 4, you know, The Revenge, Jaws the Revenge. Which I'm an expert um, on. Trust me. I know that movie yeah, better than anyone. Still hadn't, still hadn't done Monkey Shines. You know, ah, there, I mean, there are just so many movies. And so it was important for me to get a nice cross section of, again, talent from in front of the camera or behind the camera, a bunch of new experts uh, who have great thoughts and insights and opinions and context for all this kind of stuff. Uh, and a lot of your favorites are back. A lot of your favorites are back. Uh, you know, everyone from John Carpenter to Joe Dante to Barbara Crampton to Heather Langekamp to Robert Englund, uh to Doug Bradley. I mean, it's not a In Search of Darkness movie without the heavy hitters of horror, uh, you know, so bringing them all back. One of the things that I really love about b both of the first two In Search of Darkness films and In Search of Tomorrow is, you know, the way you have the movie sort of choreographed is you go year by year but in between each year there's kind of a, a mini featurette that sort of talks about a specific subject now i will keep this 100 percent spoiler free am i allowed to mention that you sent me a little sample to yeah to, yeah you okay. can talk all about that okay, so and the stuff i sent you uh i for those for those not in the know i sent dana uh, a 24 minute sampler i just thought a five hour movie might be a little bit much yeah. so i gave him the 24 minute sampler plate that so he gets to go to the uh you know the buffet and 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 choose four films he didn't choose i chose them for him yeah i went to the buffet. chose four films and a particular chapter that i thought demonstrate a good cross-section of what we're, we're going for so feel free to talk yes about it. well so that was the thing i want to uh, you know and thank you i was uh as soon as you sent it i immediately watched it i said this this is fantastic the chapters in between the movies Maybe you can talk about them, maybe you can't, but what are some of the discussions that we can look forward to, to seeing along with the, the movies that are covered and the, the interviews? I, I'm really a big fan of those in-between chapters, of those chapters in between the years. So what, what can we expect? The they, they, they are incredibly important to me uh, because I think otherwise it just becomes a big, long list of movies. Now, that's fun and cool, especially the more movies, the better. And I really did my best. We, I think we cover the most movies uh, than ever before in previous uh, In Search of Darknesses. But these chapters really tie all the effort and content into the context of the decade, how they were influenced by what was going on in the pop culture and politics and the socio-political atmosphere, the, the culture really influences the types of movies that are made. And and conversely, the movies that are made really get into the zeitgeist and then uh, inform the culture as well as other films. And so it's almost like a snake eating its tail by the, the midway through the decade. Um, what's very cool about this is uh, we talk about uh, the satanic panic and heavy metal horror and what goes on there. Uh, we talk about... Um, we we do focus in on on this whole VHS boom and how it was important and why it really created so many independent filmmakers making films and why you know I I, I sort of gave you gave you the sort of uh, Reader's Digest version earlier in in it, but that's really the, what we sort of dive into in this film as well and and, and I'll say also that we talk about uh, uh, a very popular thing that we did in part two that we continue in part three is is having spotlights on individual creative folks talking about themselves and their careers 
So last time around, we did like Tom Sabini on Tom Sabini, Linnea Quigley on Linnea Quigley, uh, talking about themselves, Robert Englund on Robert Englund. Well, this time around, we're doing the same. And, you know, Dee Wallace talking about her career, uh, Adrienne Barbeau talking about her career. Yeah. Uh, we even have uh, Screaming Mad George, uh, an amazing effects artist. We went to Japan to track him down, and he was happy to talk to us. And he, he has an infectious laugh and was so happy to talk about working on films like, you know, ch changing a girl into a cockroach in <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street 4, you know, or the shunting in society, which we cover in part one. Uh, it's very cool. It's it's uh, a lot of stuff that we talk about. We hit on a lot of topics as well. So, I mean, it goes without saying, you know, I'm going to become a backer of In Search of Darkness 3. Like, that's, that's a no-brainer. You, 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 before we even talked, I knew I was doing this because I have to. I, I, I have to. Uh, but I need thank you yeah of course of course I mean it, it's it's been I, I feel like I've been along for this ride since the first film came out and it's I remember talking to you about the first for the first in search of darkness and do you think you'll do a part two and there was like yeah I think we're gonna do it too and now that we, you know when we're talking about this you know are you gonna do a third I think there's enough for a third you know like this is I I feel like since 2019 I've just been part of this journey now and i'm so excited to continue on this journey but for those listening who who want to get involved who want to be a part of this who want to get a copy of the movie they want to do how i mean there's going to be links in this episode show notes but throughout the month of october talk about what's going on yeah go to go to 80s horrordoc.com that's where you can get it the deadline is halloween after that we're not going to be selling it uh, this is the only way you can get your name in the credits. And if you shoot a video testimonial, uh, you'll get it in as well. So this is the only time that uh, it's just a limited time run. But what's cool about putting your name in the credits and or getting your video in the credits as well, if that's something that you're interested in, is this becomes a keepsake. You know, this is this is something that is more than just uh, a movie that you paid for. First of all, it's more than a movie because it's five hours of film. Uh, also, if you've missed part one or part two, either seeing it or getting a physical copy, we're selling the trilogy. So you can get pieces or the whole trilogy. So you could buy the, you could, instead of just only part three, you just buy the trilogy box set uh, with a slip cover, all the cool stuff. We have swag, everything from three, a trio of awesome posters, you know, digital download of the movie and the soundtrack. We even have a, a cool membership card that we do. It looks like a video membership card, which has uh, a bunch of merch deals with horror merchants, you know, uh, that are super cool. We just wanted to do as much fun stuff as possible uh, and go out uh, with a bang. But I think it's very important for those who are brand new to this saying, oh, what the heck is this? You got to know that uh, this is this is about getting it in your hands and getting a physical copy. Streaming comes and goes. There's no guarantee that this will be on streaming, uh, and but it will always be guaranteed to be on your shelf if you get a copy of it. But it's a limited time because we're a small company. So and we make and manufacture and distribute this stuff entirely ourselves. So we don't have this massive storeroom or, or just make it on demand. We you know that that costs lots of money. Um, and, and, and people also don't understand that if you have a small batch where you say, I just want to get a hundred here or a hundred there, it costs tremendously. It's, it's much, much higher than if you do a larger, you know, like a big campaign for Halloween month, then it brings the cost down from the manufacturer and it makes it something that we can pass along to you. Yeah. Um, so there's also, there's methods to our madness. There's a reason why we do things the way we do um, but I think most importantly, maybe coming away from what I'm saying now is other than go to 80shorrordoc.com before Halloween at, at the stroke of midnight. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. <laughs> I think it's cool that you can get, because uh, we don't always do this, you can get the entire trilogy. So if you have part one or you only have part two, uh, you can get either or or both or buy all three. And I think that's pretty cool. That's awesome. I'm so I'm so excited for this. So I have to I mean, I know there's no timetables on the on these things, these projects that they take some time to put together. But are you planning a premiere anytime, you know, first of the year or anything like that? We're not. We're not. Uh, we're not. This is this is this is our big hurrah. Um, 
you know, the, the film, the thing is, we like to show it in October when it's ready, but the way we're doing it is it won't be ready because the end credits aren't going to be made until our campaign is over after Halloween. So, uh, yeah, you know, this is this is sort of the big way to get it is now. And, you know, if you go to all of our socials, there's plenty of stuff. We do daily uh, clips from the film, uh, not direct clips. They're a little more promotional. We call them daily drops. But you get an idea of who's in it and what they're talking about and what the big celebration is all about. And uh, plenty of trivia and, and interactivity to you know abounds when we're, we're doing a campaign like this at 80s horror doc that's terrific and and i just want to uh, let the listeners know that as you're hearing david and i's voice right now you can open up whatever device you're using to listen to this podcast and every one of the links that he just mentioned are one touch away the arrow all the links are in this episode show notes so uh david anything else we want to cover before we uh, wrap this up well, what are you watching for spooky season? Well, you know, uh, like like we talked about, I, I did see uh, Halloween ends, and mm-hmm. I am, you know what? I, this this month is going to be a. Uh, I've been going back over the Friday the Thirteenth movies. You know, oh I, really? Every okay. every October, I try to pick a franchise. Um, one would think Halloween since the new one came out, but I'm so sort of up to date on those films because mm-hmm. because well, you were hanging out with Tommy Jarvis. It only it, makes sense. It, it does, right? and and you know, here's the thing. I, I I mentioned this on a previous podcast. If you uh, if you run into him at a local watering hole and you want to buy him a drink, all right. <laughs> A dirty Belvedere martini with blue cheese olives. Don't even ask wow. him. Just bring wow, it that's to him. Very specific. Just bring it to him. And Felissa, bring her a glass of Pinot Grigio. All right. Uh, so she seems like a wine type. So so just uh, that's my tip. So I know they're the that they're on the the convention circuit. So you're gonna run into them if you want to buy them a drink. Just bring it right to them. They'll be delighted. I'm sure. And and Tom Matthews also. Uh, I think I I will spoil or single out uh, with Tom Matthews. You know he's in Return of the Living Dead yeah. and Return of the Living Dead Part Two. And anyone who has watched, if not appreciated, Return of the Living Dead Part 2, which is very different yet very much the same as Part 1, he goes into some of the reasons why there's some repetition in Part 2 between uh, you know, his character uh, and the first film. And it's kind of an interesting tale. That I'm excited. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see this. So, David, people want to follow, you know, you, you went over the socials for In Search of Darkness, but people want to keep up with the other work that you do and how can they follow you on social media? I am very active on Twitter. So you go to Tiki ambassador is my, is my handle. Uh, and uh, I also have a site called it came from blog.com. And so my other socials are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at it came from blog. Uh, and that's, you know, it came from blog is kind of like my pop culture musings, everything from movie reviews, which uh, I need to update. Uh, but lots of uh, articles and interviews that I've done from my time, every, everything from The Hollywood Reporter uh, to uh, L.A. LA Weekly, and Entertainment Tonight and just for the site itself. Lots and lots of interviews with celebrities uh, and and filmmakers and important folks and, you know, just my thoughts on pop culture. What I love to do, especially on Twitter, that's probably where I'm most responsive, uh, is, um, you know, it's sort of a steady stream of like the pop culture randomness that pops in my brain. I love saying, thinking about something, finding it on, you know, an an image or a commercial or something on, on the internets. Uh, and then posting it on there. And then I love, you know, I just get tremendous energy from people saying, oh my God, I have not thought of that for years or since I was a kid, you know, or I had that toy or that collectible or, oh my God, I remember that commercial, blah, blah, blah. You know, I've been searching, I haven't, I've been searching for that forever. I, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I thrive on, you know, like nobody gets paid for that. But I think if you could just go to the internet go to social media and find some positivity and just nostalgia and curate some goodness, uh, and and dodge the uh, the slings and arrows of the other stuff that we all know and and either like to engage in, but get really muddy in the process, or hate. 
you know, um, you can cultivate a really warm and great and supportive and fun community just reminiscing about fun stuff from our youth yeah. and even present day uh, without being snarky about it. And that's the stuff that I really love and love to be part of. Absolutely. I, I, I love it. And of course, David, can we real quickly before before I let you go, uh, there's a project that you are executive producer on. And it's one that I'm also very, very excited about. Can we talk just a little bit about that? And just if there's still an opportunity for people to get involved with that project? Yeah, absolutely. Aliens expanded. We are doing Creator VC is going beyond the In Search of Darkness movies. Uh, uh, and we, you know, we've, we've been doing a variety of other projects. If you go to creatorvc.com, you can see all the sorts of things we're doing. And one of them is Aliens Expanded, which is a, dink, a deep dive on James Cameron's Aliens. Uh, this is being directed by Ian Nathan, uh, an amazing guy, uh, a Brit who is a, an author who is the uh, editor-in-chief of Empire Magazine, and he's written a variety of things. If you have Alien Vault or Terminator Vault on your shelf, uh, he's done uh, biographies on James Cameron, Ridley Scott, uh, Peter Jackson, and so on. This guy knows his stuff, loves his film through and through, and we're, we could not be happier to have him on board. Uh piloting the ship for aliens expanded uh, no he no better person than him to really do a deep dive on aliens uh and and what's cool about it also is that we're bringing in the aliens community to be part of this so uh a lot of the there if, if you're really into aliens you probably know that there's lots of alien communities on on all sorts of media platforms just loving talking about and celebrating aliens and we have incorporated as many of those folks as we can to help advise us and work with us to make this the best movie for fans by fans uh and so we just had our first crowdfunding very successful crowdfunding uh in september up to the october 1st and now we're in pre-production and starting to work on the movie and the movie itself has a bunch of people who are you know on camera or behind the scenes, you know, Carrie Hen, you know, Newt, and, you know, you just got to, if you go to aliensexpanded.com, you'll see everybody who's on it. I don't want to get into a laundry list of names. But I think most importantly, like all the projects that we do at Creator BC, this is not you back it and then you wait a year or later or never to get the project. Uh, you're, we're, we're doing a year-long number of activities, seminars, Q&As, uh, interactions with, with talent, um, and discussions and backer events that all just keep everyone engaged and, and helping steer the trajectory of the film and just be part of this. Uh, and you get a lot of cool swag as well. But that's all stuff that you can't get until the end now when we sell it with our final sale. Yeah. But you can go to Aliens Expanded now and sign up and get emails. And every time we have something going on, uh, an event that you could be part of and engage with talent and so on and so forth that uh, that's you know ian's going to be giving individual seminars you know all about various aspects of the alien world and aliens itself it's very very cool and it's very unique and fun and we'd like to be transparent we'd like to sit down and, and talk with everybody and talk about what we're up to what our process is what what we think you would want to, is are we right are we in the wrong place um so, yeah, people can be involved for the next year if they get involved now. All they have to do is sign up. Oh, I'm excited. I'm also excited. Not only is Aliens one of my top 10 films of all time, it is one of the quintessential films, in my opinion, ever made. But that movie in particular is responsible, and I've never really talked about this on the show before, is responsible for a significant rise in uh, listenership for this podcast. In 2016, yeah. I was doing a series on the history of the Alien franchise, and I did an episode on on Aliens, about 45 minutes long, where you know, you know, just kind of going over a brief history of of how the film got made and and put the episode and didn't think anything of it. And then a month later, it got featured on gamesradar.com. You know, a writer found the show, listened to the episode and, and said, you've got, you've got to listen to this. And one day I woke up and, uh, my, 
listener download numbers had gone 10x overnight. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I, I, I and they did, the writer didn't even tell me that he was featuring the podcast in the show. I actually Googled, you know, my show. I'm like, what is going on? And uh, he was like, you've got to listen to this episode of, of this, this Dana Buckler's podcast about aliens. It's terrific. Blah, blah, blah. So that movie is near and dear to my heart for a multitude of reasons. Not, it's a ravenous, yeah. ravenous fan base that loves to absorb everything they, that they can. Uh, it, it, you know, it's really the, the, it's an intelligent audience that really just likes to soak up every additional nugget and, and theorize. Yeah. about all sorts of things canon or non-canon what ifs um you know just the, the hardware the, the the creatures the world the universe there's just so much it's it's incredibly rich and um that's why we chose this as our first uh expanded film that's a one-off on one particular film you know robin block said this is the one because it, it covers so many bases you know it's action it's sci-fi it's horror and it's aliens and it's james cameron you know yeah. and uh right. it, it's just that's almost self-explanatory to anybody listening that's terrific like, you know have no reason like why aliens uh, it's aliens no one's gonna <laughs> no no I, I i can't imagine anyone even ever, ever asked that question why aliens? <laughs> i guess one more quick question why I know... alien versus predator predator requiem okay yeah, now okay. i need to explain yes yes um i know you've got a heart out in just a moment here so i just want to ask one more quick question uh sure. the in search of darkness trilogy that is the, the you know you've mentioned and uh sort of teased the idea that you will you know explore other decades which i think mm -hmm. is is fantastic last time i had you on the show it was in search of tomorrow and i'm just gonna ask real quick if i can get an exclusive if uh <laughs> if, uh, if the if the gears have started turning on in search of tomorrow too i'll tell you tomorrow tomorrow <laughs> perfect <laughs> no um the gears are turning very slowly because we're so actively in our campaign but we are very very keen to do in search of tomorrow too that is very much on the table uh, and is something that we really want to do. Um, what we really are focusing on next is uh, In Search of Tomorrow 2 um, and uh, In Search of Darkness 90s. That's really yeah. what's sort of on the plate next, in addition to obviously uh, making Aliens Expanded. Yes, exactly. um, but yeah, you know, right now, because we're just so actively promoting uh, In Search of Darkness 3, this is the fourth film of long form documentaries. I mean, Alien, sorry. See, we're talking about aliens, so now that's on my brain. In Search of Darkness Part 3, you put all three In Search of Darknesses together, the trilogy, it's 14-plus hour exploration into 80s horror. That's pretty substantial. And what, what, what surprises me, having done this, is how much more we haven't even touched, just because there's so much that goes on in this decade, and there's so much material. And there still will be movies where you're like, what a crime. They didn't do X or Y or Z. After 14 hours, they, they couldn't find the time to put this movie that I want. And you're right. You know, we couldn't find the time because if that went in, another one that someone wished was in there doesn't get to go in. And there's no way to physically do it unless we keep on doing more. And who knows? Maybe that's on the table down the road ways, sure. you know. But right now, I think a trilogy is the best way to cap it all. And, uh, you know, all these things that I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, next are things I'm excited to be having the opportunity to do, you know, and I get the opportunity to do all this stuff. If you guys out there listening are appreciating what we're doing and supporting us and voting with your dollars, because when you vote with your dollar for indie filmmaking, that is helping to ensure future filmmaking from the group that's making it, whatever it may be. Uh, and that's really the practical way of, do, of doing it. And, uh, you know, listen, it's not something that you anyone is required to do, and there's no pressure on it whatsoever. But that's how I think about all this stuff. I want to vote with my dollar. I want to go see the new Halloween ends in the theater, because even though it's the third in a trilogy in a, in a, in a franchise that's been going on forever, um, to me, that's telling Universal and Blumhouse to make more horror movies. To me, that's telling them that Blumhouse should be more courageous by making more brand new ideas into films, you know? And for every Halloween ends or Purge movie or uh, whatever, you know, paranormal activity, they, they, they dip into the franchise yet again. 
that allows their coffers to be big enough to take swings on uh, what, what was oh, I'm freaked freaks. What's the one with, with the body switch? The body switch uh, oh, movie uh, with, with um, I know which one you're talking about. That one, you know, like yeah. like really fun, ridiculous movies where it's an original idea. I yeah, mean, I know. Now we got to look no, it up. Right? No, no, no. But it's fine. But I mean, and apologies but, to the filmmakers, but it just popped in my head. If they take okay. those chances, you get a movie like Get Out in 2017. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I'm right there with you. I'm absolutely right there with you. I'm going to look it up real yeah. quick. Uh, yep, absolutely. Give me two seconds. We're, it's fun. Freaky. 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 Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. I just, and so, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, these you got to, in your own way, spend the money that you want to spend the way you want to spend it. But if you want to see more of a certain type of thing, you really have to vote with your dollar. And that's how it gets made, whether it's a big company or a small company. You know, I always like to to support the underdogs. And ironically, sometimes the underdogs are bigger companies when they want to do original product. Because yeah. in, in this day and age, uh, studios, all they want to do is make safe bets through and through. So with, if a studio or a filmmaker or a producer wants to gamble on something that's new or innovative or at least just different from what's out there, you've got to enable them to do it. And uh, if you want to see it, if you if you sit and complain that there's none and you're not doing what you can, even if you're not spending money on it, you're 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 a proponent of it. You know, uh, I mean, all this stuff helps, you know, spreading the good word about this kind of stuff is is equally important. Yeah. Uh, well said. And you know what? I got to take a page out of your book sometime because I, I am one of those guys that, that complains about, you know, it always being the same stuff. But you're right. I need to vote. With my, I need to go to the movies more often. You're right. I, I listen. Yeah. I gave Universal my money this weekend for Halloween, and, and we're we're right. Listen, complaints are valid. Yeah. You know, if you're tired of sequels and you don't want to see sequels and you want to see something new, you're allowed to complain. Oh my God, it's one more of blank. You know, franchise enough already. But on the flip side, rather than uh, wasting your words, you know, on on in the world on that kind of stuff, you could say, well, this is not my cup of tea. I've seen enough of yeah. this, but. Here's a list of things that I can't wait to see that I hope are good, that I applaud whoever decided to produce this. You know, let's go support this and give it a try. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. So, David, I just want to say thank you for all that you've done. Thanks. Th- <laughs> big thanks to Creator VC, to Robin Block, to, to, to everyone for what you've done, for the journey you continue to take us on. And I am excited for what's coming out soon i'm excited for what's coming out down the road and just uh it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you and uh i'm looking forward to when you have a little time when you're not in the middle of you know wealth i just like I need said, a good night's sleep and then i'd love <laughs> to come on with nothing to plug just to shoot the shit yeah i look forward to that i look to that so so thank you so much and uh i know we're going to keep in touch and uh you know good good luck with the release of in search of darkness part three i know i'm excited and i know my listeners are excited so thank you thank you so much dana and uh happy spooky season everybody absolutely happy halloween everyone my name is dana buckler and thank you so much for listening